Are you a fan of the Wonder Woman film directed by Patty Jenkins? can share your love for the movie by contributing to a special retrospective episode of the Justice League Universe podcast. The JLU podcast wants to hear about your favorite part of Wonder Woman. It could be a favorite scene, a favorite character, a creative decision that you really appreciated, or any other element of the film that really resonated with you. Think about your favorite part and why it is meaningful to you. Then submit it to jlupodcast at gmail.com by Monday, September 10th. You can send it as written text, which will be read aloud on the episode, or you can send an audio file up to three minutes in length. Let's come together and express our appreciation of this groundbreaking entry in the DC Films canon. Tuning into Sci Fi TV podcast. Uh, Supergirl's one of the shows we talk about all the time. And uh, just want to first have everyone to introduce themselves, and then I'll just I'll ask a couple questions, and then I want you guys to start throwing out topics you want to discuss and be pretty much the things that are interesting to you about Supergirl that we want to focus on. Um, I'm, I'm Donna Cromings. I write for Spoiler TV as DJ writer. I am the backup reviewer for Supergirl. I have written and or edited the majority of the Performer of the Month and Performer of the Year articles that involve Supergirl uh, characters or actors. And uh, through that, I was also contacted and have submitted a, uh, a chapter of a book that's going to be published about Supergirl sometime next year, and my chapter is entitled uh, Sisterhood of Steel. It's about, focuses on the deep relationship between Carr and Alex, and also between Kyler and Melissa. And go easy on me, this is my first panel ever. <laughs> Hi, my name is Jenny. Um, I'm a freelance writer and photographer, and just recently, um, started a blog we're actually just upstarting it'll be called freestyle and fandom it'll be lifestyle and fandom stuff so yeah hi my name is rebecca johnson i'm one of the co-hosts of a podcast called supergirl radio we talk about the cw supergirl tv series and also just everything about cars orl we talk a lot about the supergirl rebirth issues as well because that's sort of connected to the show by way of the deo and the danvers uh, so i have a podcast that you can check out on any of your platforms apple podcasts Google Play, all those good things, and uh, I will be giving away some prizes at the end of the panel if you want to stick around. We've got some cool stuff, so stick around to the end of the panel, and uh, maybe you can win something. Okay. And I'm, um, once again, for the third year in a row, the only guy on the Supergirl panel. <laughs> um, and I'm not the Blue Beetle, just don't even play him on TV. Uh, John Paul Estes, um, also have a podcast co-host of one, um, you've heard of the Titans, you've heard of the Teen Titans, the new Teen Titans. Well, since I'm turning 50 this year, we called ourselves the Old Titans. So um, <laughs> look for the Old Titans on the same, all the same places, and we talk a little bit of everything. Um, tend to be a little bit older in topics, older comics, older TV shows, older movies, things like that. Well, welcome, everybody. Thanks for coming. Um, the first question I have for you guys is, um, you can pick one of one of two. Either talk about your favorite storyline arc for the season, or your favorite character arc as far as the character that grew the most or changed the most. 
It feels like we were just talking about this. We can start at the end. Alright. Um so you said favorite story arc or favorite character? Okay. Or both. Um I'll go with character because last year I was uh, me and my wife we always cosplay pairs. She's not here right now, she's booster to my beetle. Last year we were Supergirl and Brainiac Five. Cool. Because to me that's the perfect pairing, that's what it's always been for decades. Um so Brainiac Five is a character I was so looking forward to the most. And while they got this look so hideously wrong, his character, the way he played him, was so spot on. And I'm looking forward to him being a regular part of the show this next season and maybe getting the right ship going on there. But I, I did love what all they did with him throughout the season, his little side plays with Wynn and, and others. Yeah, he was great. Uh, I think mine would be the rain uh, storyline with uh, Samantha and Ruby. I was very, very surprised by how attached I got to them. Uh, I didn't know how I'd feel about these new characters, but somehow over the course of the season, I was really rooting for them. I cared about them. I was concerned about them. I mean, I was concerned for Ruby a lot, especially that episode where they go to Lex's invisible mansion, which was so cool. Um, so there were a lot of times throughout the season that I was concerned about them and, and curious about how it was going to go down because I had gotten in my head that uh, Alex was going to adopt Rubia. That's how I saw that going, and then it didn't happen. Uh, so I think the the rain part of the season really surprised me because Odette really shocked me about how, how great she was as both Sam and Rain. And uh, so I thought that was probably the strongest part of the season. Um, I think for me, it's probably, I, I'm going to go character-wise, it's going to be Alex. I think, you know, we've watched her kind of come into her her own already, but a lot of it for me was her not backing down on what she wanted um, and then really stepping up, taking charge of a lot of things, which you've, you've kind of always seen those hints of her, but to really see it kind of become the main focus and like the biggest part of who she was, I think that was really, really big for me. Well, at the risk of being a copycat, I'm going to agree with Jenny. I'm, I'm also going character and I'm also going Alex. I think she showed the, the biggest growth this season. I think uh, once she came into her own, once she realized that you know what she thought or what she wanted mattered, instead of taking care of everybody else, she decided it was time to take care of Alex and stepped up. And in, in doing so, impacted so many storylines. She was an integral part, I think, to the Rain Ruby storyline. Uh, Jean and his father. It was a return to the season one space family for me and a, a stronger connection with the sister scenes as well, which is, is the main reason I watch the show. Yeah, the family, I mean, this show does the family dynamics really well in all the different versions of it. Um, for me, it was also the Rain, the Rain Sam character and then how she interacted with our main characters. That's and true. I thought she had some great stuff with Lena uh, when she was Sam and trying to figure out that problem. And then um, I was also worried that they were going to kill her and give the kid to Alex. You, you, could, you yeah. could have done it that way, I think. And uh, I think both versions of that could have played out. I think they went the direction of, you know, Sam has gone through so much, let's give her a happy ending, which also works out as well. But then you have to build some other dynamic with Alex and a future kid at some point. And I... I Part of me is conflicted about it because I did get attached to Ruby and Ruby knew all the cast members so it would have made sense for Ruby and Alex to have become a thing because Alex was attached to her and so then you would have an older kid because a lot of times if you introduce a, a younger kid on the show sometimes it doesn't work so well but I think Ruby fit in with the cast and uh, I think that would have worked really well. And I think it, it worked too that, that, that uh, Kyler and the, the little girl Emma had such great chemistry together. Their scenes together were wonderful. I think my suspicion is that the, when the storyline was originally plotted out, it really did truly end up being Sam dies, Alex got Ruby. I think two things happened that sort of changed that storyline midstream. One, I think it was an original Kreisberg story. I think so, too. And when that happened, they sort of rebooted to, to distance themselves from yep. him. And then I think the other thing was, I don't think they anticipated the uh, reaction and the the, the likability and how much fans loved Odette. Mm. 
and reign, and they didn't want to kill her off. And that's the one thing that's, if I have a, a minor complaint against Supergirl, that is it is that they have never done a storyline like the others that have involved losing a major character. Well, they almost did it. They sort of teased it in the finale where Rain comes up and he visions Allura right. and Monel, right. and yeah. uh, and that was actually really dramatic. And I was I was shocked by that. And then when Supergirl puts on the Legion oh ring and turns yeah. back time, and I was so disappointed. I was like, okay, well, that's what you're going with. So they could they could have gone that direction to do they, something they really dramatic. Have. And I think too the fan reaction to the little girl, some of it was so negative. I don't, I don't think they wanted to expose her to that. I, I don't know. Um, but I, I loved the idea of Alex ending up with Ruby. Like I said, they had such great chemistry. The, the characters had bonded and it was perfect. And it was, it was classic Alex. It was Alex the protector because all of her life she had protected Kara. All of her life now she's protecting Ruby. And I think if they follow through, or when they follow through with it on the storyline of an Alex, I'd like to see Alex adopt an alien child. Mm. I could see that being a great way to go with it, honestly. Like, because she has that experience with protecting Kara, and then just, I, I think that would be a, an amazing way to go with it. Ruby actually. technically was an alien child. I guess, yeah, <laughs> yeah. think about it, yeah. See, they, they dropped all of that, yeah. that, that Sam was technically Kryptonian, Ruby was half Kryptonian, yeah. but they never addressed that. No, they never did. <laughs> DC TV for you. <laughs> it's not a perfect show. I want to talk about Alex a little bit more in relation to John, because that, John, Alex, and Kara are really, to me, they are the nuclear family of the show, even though, especially this season, we got Mom uh, coming back. But um, what did you guys think about that? I, I was really sad when it seems like John's going to recede a little bit, but I do think Alex was sort of the MVP of helping John deal with his father's dementia and helping him work through that. What did you guys think about that story? Uh, well, I mean, everything... Alex does, I mean, as, as great as Melissa Benoist and everybody is, Alex does seem to be the glue that holds a lot of the characters together. She has great chemistry with almost everybody on the show, so it's, it's not really a surprise that her and John, and, and with their history, have that. Um, I really don't think there'll be that long of a separation. I know you said you're going to worry this next season. They've done that in so many shows like that, and set up so many storylines. I don't see them really being gone very long. There'll be a crisis of some type. Not capital C crisis, but some, <laughs> not a red some, sky crisis. Not a red sky crisis, but there'll be something that brings them back. Um, but yeah, everything they do together, and some of their best, yeah, like I said, family moments are what matters so much in that show. And the one to me that, not because I have any personal connection to it, but Jean and his father, everything there with the aging um, and you know whatever the alien version of Alzheimer's or dementia or, or whatever was. Um, Alex really was his strength. That she was the one that, you know, the one without powers is the one holding up all the ones with powers. Yeah, so um, I just think it's a great, a great parallel there for it. I think John, John being gone, they're actually following the storyline that Justice League Unlimited animated series did. The detective. Yeah, he became the detective, and he anyway, but he comes back, and all, and I, and and I totally buy it. I I see it. I see it. I, I actually see him being more involved, or Alex going to him for advice, or uh, it's still that family is still there, and and all. And I loved the storyline. It was told so beautifully. And Carl Lumley, you know, can read a phone book as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> um, and and that whole storyline, even his dynamic with Alex was mm -hmm. was wonderful. One of my favorite scenes. The entire season, uh, crossover notwithstanding, um, was that scene at the end of Shot Through the Heart, where his father has told Jean what's wrong with him, and Jean walks into the bar, and Ale and there's not a word of dialogue spoken. Alex takes one look, gets up, goes over and hugs him, and that was classic Space Family. Yeah, I think one of the things that made uh, Marin, which I got uh, the pronunciation, they, they sort of mixed it around. They at one point called him Marin, and then 
at other points called it Marin, which is a podcast where that was very frustrating. But I think uh, what made that work so well is that he was likable from the very beginning. He was the comedic relief. He was, you know, kind of cute and adorable. And I think that's what it made so tragic at the end when he sacrifices himself is that uh, you grow fond of him just because he's a he's a fun character who made everybody smile and had um, some funny observations about Earth. So I think uh, the way that they transitioned him from this comedic relief to a, a really tragic hero, I thought was great. I think too. I, with that, my favorite scene was with him and Ruby oh, at yeah. the arcade, and oh, then yeah. with Alex and John. Like just that whole family dynamic, but that you know, young and old, and how in reality, I mean, that's how much so much of our a lot of people's lives are. It's the young and the old, and the way they connect, and the way the, they learn and teach. And I just thought that was brilliant, you know, family. And then with Alex and John, you know, seeing it, you know, and it was to watch them and to watch kind of the relief wash over both of them in that moment when they saw both of those characters who were going through so much have like a moment of normalcy. It was brilliant to me. Yeah, I mean, they did a great job with him because my frustration was like, it's too soon. He, you know, he just got his father. They're just getting to the point where they can live with each other and they're they're reconnecting. And it's like, he can't he can't leave already. But that's that's what, what made it special. Yeah. So I want to open it up to folks to give comments or questions about any of their favorite characters or storylines. Maybe the ones we haven't talked about so far. Go ahead. But like, like the panelists next to you, I'm just glad they remembered that the Danvers are sisters because I missed that relationship in second season and that, that's what draw me that's what drew me into the show and kept me there and so i was glad to see a return to that I, before you actually before when we were all just kind of sitting here we were talking about how i think all of us said like midvale we felt was kind of the best episode of the season and that was i think a huge part of it was just yeah, was to watch that walk back to that, that that true like embracing and walk back to that dynamic i think was probably the biggest part of that. I mean, who doesn't want a spinoff with the young Kara? Oh, right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if it worked for the Big Bang Theory, I mean... Yeah. yeah. Solving mysteries. Solving oh, crime. Yeah. <laughs> How about Lena and Kara? And Lena and Supergirl? I mean, that was probably one of the largest changes going from literally, like, soul sisters on both sides to going from soul sisters on one side and almost enemies on the other. I mean, now... It's a whole trust thing, and Kara literally is stuck in the middle, you know, because she likes Lena as Lena, but Lena doesn't know that they're one and the same. <laughs> so, or does she? Yeah, or does she? Yeah, that's so, a question. Does she? So it's a huge. That was a huge change. I was a hundred percent on Lena's side in that whole kryptonite thing. Oh, absolutely. Kara was being such a whiny baby about, oh, there's kryptonite. This one thing can harm me, and Lena was like, we can get hurt all the time. We can get killed in an auto accident. We are so breakable, and Kara was just being so un unreasonable about the kryptonite. And it is kind of one of the inconsistencies we mentioned. The show's not perfect. We love it, but the show's not perfect. And one of those inconsistencies is it seems like every guest star of every week is to find out that she's Supergirl. Yeah. But, but the one who's her that. best friend, or yeah. potentially right. best friend, doesn't. Hey, it's Oliver Queen all over again. Everybody knows. <laughs> it's no Do secret. Do you guys think that she knows? No. I don't think so. I, I, I want her to know. But, but I mean, because she made that comment when she had the dream, she's like, I dreamt yeah. that you you were carrying me like Supergirl, and there was, I think it was when they were in the elevator, she made some comment. Yeah. I think she but does know. Based on what, there was some article or something, they've, they've come out about what the season it is. There's supposedly early on, Lena is supposed to discover, find out, and it and she gets really angry, and that's part of what season four is going to be about is her dealing with that betrayal and and that kind of thing. So if they're going that way with that context, then I don't think she know. She may suspect. She may have an idea. Yeah. She may have an idea, but I don't think she outright knows. I tell you the but I mean and I love I Lena and. Yeah, that's where, it, it, even if she yeah. suspects it, maybe she's avoiding She's the, avoiding it because she's avoiding that putting that together. is over. Exactly, mm. exactly. Um, and and I, I do like that sometimes she calls out Supergirl on her superiority. Yes. You know, she, she's not afraid to do that um, and things. So it's, it's, it's different. It's 
I'm going to kind of jump into another area here, but it's I equate it to sort of um, the relationship or the meeting of Alex and Sarah in the crossover. She has no context of Alex the way the others did, and Sarah accepted her as she was. So it, it I see that Lena same thing. Lena's standing over here on the side and doesn't know Kara or Supergirl as closely as everyone else does. So she can be that hard on her. Well, this season also we're seeing Kara reject, uh, we're seeing Supergirl, you know, because she's processing all these mono issues, um, being extra Supergirly, I'll say. <laughs> you know, she's, it, it, and that was part of that episode when they went to Midvale. It was kind of like, hey, snap out of it, um, to me. So, so it made a lot of sense to me that when she's with Lena in particular, that's a problem because then she's reminding her, I'm, I'm Kara's friend and I don't trust Supergirl. And that's gotta be raising a lot of doubts for someone who's decided that, yes, my job is to be Supergirl and forget about my humanness or suppress it a little bit more. Any other thoughts about Lena? Panel? You guys? Oh, go ahead. See, I love that a test mocker is once again working for a loser. <laughs> yes. I'm actually really interested to see where that's going. I, I don't know. Um, I think that was one of the best little Easter egg yeah. nuggets, yeah. you know, to pop in for me because I'm like, where are we going with this? And it's, I'm afraid I want it to go somewhere and they're going to drop the ball on it like they do with so many things. And I'm really hoping they don't. I don't think they will. Cause I'm hoping. Luther, uh, I call her Luther now, Lena is busy making all kinds of kryptonite and, and, and black rock in her little, her little laboratory. Yeah. And Tess Mocker is her go-to because Tess Mocker is as brilliant as she is yeah. and an equal. And especially now that she's lost win, that, that's yep. now yeah. the person See, that See, part did. of me suspected at one time, even when Miss Tess Mocker was at CatCo and stuff, the fiction writer in me suspected that Miss Tess Mocker worked for, for Lillian. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that just because I would love to see more Lily and Luther. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Brenda Strong was just... She showed up uh, in one episode, wore the Lexo suit. That was yeah. pretty awesome. I yeah. think if, if there is one thing that Supergirl got right this season, it was their guest stars. You had Chad Lowe. You had Carl Lumley. You had Odette. You had Betty Buckley. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> I love Oh, and you had, uh, who am I leaving out? Um, uh, Yael Grogloss played Cy. Cy. I mean, Britt Morgan came back as Livewire. Livewire. She, she was great. Yeah, she was. She was also Erica Durant. Erica yep. Durant. Adrian yeah. Pastor. Adrian Pastor. I mean, the, look at the guest star list. You know, mm -hmm. they, they, they did it right, or they, they got it right. I was trying to. I made a list, and I don't know if I left anybody out. No, that's every. Yeah, Lori Metcalf. Lori Metcalf. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. You know, it it they did it right. But to me, the strongest episodes of the season, we were talking, you know, we thought Midvale was the strongest, but we also could make an argument that shot through the heart. Well, and we were talking about how there's a difference between best and favorite. So right. it's like favorite for me was shot through the heart, with, right. without a doubt. Um, and like you and I had said, probably 90% because of Lori, because she just brought so much to it. But um, what was really impressive about Midvale uh, is you're talking about guest stars. That was heavily relying on those younger actresses who played Cara and Alex. I mean, the Melissa Benoist and Kyler Lee were in it for just briefly, and right. it's, it's, it uh, featured those actresses so heavily, and they they were Cara and Alex as kids. Oh, and the so casting was, really was just phenomenal. The, the, they, had the, they had the physical mannerisms, the vocal mannerisms. They nailed those characters. Mm -hmm. uh, so for most of the last season, it, it looked like to me, or it seemed like that the way they were headed was um, Sam or slash Rain would like sacrifice herself in the end, and then Alex would kind of adopt Ruby. Yep. It really seemed like it was going that way, but then it didn't. Um, so any thoughts about what might happen as far as that goes? Well, I'm hoping that 
they just become part of the story now. Yeah. <laughs> they could always come back. Gonna, they were always, yeah. Keep that, them around. Yeah, that's the upside of them not killing yeah. the character, that yeah. they can come back. Because there probably is another potential for her Kryptonian side to explore that with Kara a little bit, too. Yeah, because it's interesting because Sam is now 100% human because of the sciencey things that Lena did, whatever that yeah. was about. Uh, well, but I don't know if we know that about Ruby. Ruby could still well, be half and, Kryptonian. And, and why all the cryptic secrecy about Ruby's father? Hmm. Yeah, that's that's a thread they could still pull if they that's wanted it. to. Yeah, they could pull that thread. Mm -hmm. Although I will say it'd be nice every so often just to have, whether it's the missing father or the missing mother, they're just trying to be an average person. It just happens to not be around. <laughs> Every so often, not be the supervillain or the drunk or the rich person. You know, something spectacular. Just an ordinary person that didn't work out. They probably never met James' parents because they're normal. Yeah. yeah. Well, the Alex and Ruby scenes were so great. I hope they have more of that. Yeah. So over here and then in the back. I really love getting to see uh, Lena with Sam when she's trying to take care of her, seeing that she's not just a savvy businesswoman, but she's incredibly smart and caring and really exploring the depth of her character in that way. I really liked And seeing her with uh, Ruby, as little as we got to see it, it was really good when it was. It also gave Lena that interaction with Sam, it gave her more of a chance to show off her sci scientist side, she had that underground medical bunker that I don't know where that is. Is that in L Corp? Is that a Catco somewhere? Uh, but I, I enjoyed getting to see Lena's strengths in her science field and how smart she was come out of that stuff where we also got to see her be compassionate. We also got to see how smart she was. Yeah, I mean, she definitely wants to use technology for good. I thought that came across again this season. I mean, she's the character that I don't I don't want her to go Luther, go to the dark side. I, 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 I don't a, read the comics, so I don't know. But I think that's a big key because we yeah. spent, what was it, 10 years with Smallville knowing the entire time where Lex was going. And they did such a great job. You, you fell in love with the character of Lex in the first couple of seasons and didn't want him to turn evil, but you knew he was. This time, we're really getting to like a character that we don't know where Lena's going to go. And it's kind of. It's kind of cool to have that mystery out there this time. I really found myself wondering if she was going to go bad. I mean, they seemed to kind of hint at that. You know, well, I'm still I think there. some of the last episodes, I don't have exact memory, but I know that I think they kind of revealed some of what was in her lab, and they were definitely seemed like they might have been going that way, that she was going to sort of go bad. So Yeah, she's got part of that here in Elrond. She definitely yeah. has a view on Supergirl's powers and that she needs to be, con you know, we have to have a containment strategy yeah. for her. Plus, we have car number two, Siberian, you know, Siberian <laughs> Supergirl. <laughs> I want to go to the bend in the back. Well, um, a couple of things I was going to go back to. I, I really liked the way Sam was, and I thought Odette really did do a good job and everything. And I think we probably will see her because of part of what I didn't understand is how Kara and Sam and Lena and Alex became like such good close friends. Out of nowhere. So very Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's like it, she just showed up in the very next episode they're like best friends forever. Yeah. Right? yeah. So a little unrealistic. If they follow through with that then they should bring Sam back and if they don't then it's like okay well maybe they weren't such close friends after all. Well Sam was like Lena's number two research person right? I mean she Yeah, yeah they've known each other pretty she's running. So, yeah. yeah. Initially, she was like, hey, I need you to help me get my project, so we got to get you back into shape. She's sort of um, running L4. Yeah, she was. Yeah, she she was. was. That's what she was doing. She was focused on CatCo. <laughs> How did you guys like that storyline or the CatCo buyout? Yeah. I was a little disappointed because uh, Morgan Edge seemed like he was going to be a bigger thing than he, he yeah. ended up being. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Adrian Pazar is so good, and I, I thought that... That was a little disappointment for me because I wanted to see more of Morgan Edge. But the same thing with Max a couple seasons ago. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was introduced like they were going to do a big thing, and then it's like we never heard from him again. But that, I, I blame the move to Vancouver on that one. <laughs> Very much, yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. I have a, just a, because I work in public relations and, and the media and things in my day job. I just had real problems about an art director suddenly becoming the head, head, of, yeah. head of a... Just a little. Just a little, yeah. <laughs> just a little. You know, like overnight, overnight. He's, 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 he's an editor, he's a, you know, all of that. 
And still guardian. And still guardian. Uh, that being said, I actually early on called that, that when they announced that, you know, about um, even when they announced that he was running it and Lena was coming in, I said, Elena's going to end up buying Catco. And sure enough, she did. Um, I would have liked to have seen her there actually a little more, a little more involved, a little more, maybe a few more battles between her and James that, that her using you know whatever and him trying to keep the quote-unquote journalistic integrity of the magazine where she's saying we've got this this tool for influence and power and I want to use it her the they had one it was like a throwaway line something about some sort of infomercial ad or something in the paper and it touched on that but um it, it's it's going to be interesting. I I will, it, you know, be the first to admit, I didn't really miss Snapper Carr. <gasps> I loved him. I thought he was yeah, great. They they didn't use him quite like they should have. I no, mean, he no. he appeared on an entire season and he never snapped once. That's yeah. Uh, his whole thing in the comics is that he snaps. His yeah. he develops a teleportation power out of snapping, and he never snapped once. It was kind of strange. But I think the thing about uh, James and Catco is that I think that will give him a good predicament in season four is that uh, the conflict of him outing himself as Guardian, how is that going to work with him and, working and at true, Catco? True. How, how is the ethical nature of them reporting the news about Guardian and him, everyone knowing he's Guardian, how is that going to play out? Because that sort of parallels Kara because Kara works at Catco, but nobody knows that she's Supergirl. That works. It, uh, her buying Catco worked for me. She, you know, she's trying to do it, but it, her taking all this time, like, oh, I'm going to leave Elcorp to, like, go manage Catco didn't work for me, and it felt like a really cheap plot device to get her and Jimmy together, and I was like, this doesn't need to happen, and I don't know, it just, that part of it didn't work for me, like, even more so than an art director running, you know, the magazine, like, she, what can you contribute? That's where I felt like it just didn't work. Well, to be fair to James, he had subbed in for Cat yeah. a, well, a couple true. times, so he, he sort of knew the job when he but when he took it full. It just it just goes back to they just don't know what to do with Jimmy Olsen. Right. They just they yes. just really don't. They really do don't. And and McCod's such a fantastic a actor. It's yeah. like it's they're wasting him. Yeah, it's not at this on point. Him. He he's doing a fine he's job. Phenomenal. With what he's phenomenal. Um, I just I, I would still love to have a Superman show as well, not instead of, but as well. And move him back to Metropolis, and he'll fit in with that group, and that'll free up the problem. It's just kind of standing out all the time over on Supergirl. Speaking of Superman, <laughs> did, uh, it, were you guys at all disappointed? Like, hey, we found the Kryptonians hanging out here, and didn't bother to like at least text him. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he has no idea. There's a whole. Planet remaining of Kryptonians. Yeah. The, the stuff that's hanging out there, whether it's because of budget or yeah. you know things, that, those are some of those plot holes the writers don't quite get right. So like that, not letting Superman know that they're there. Um, the first time we saw a Legion flight ring was in his Fortress of Solitude. He grew up being a part of the Legion. He knows these characters, and nobody's bothering to say. Hey, your friends are here. I don't. Yeah. And and I think it's it's indicative that that another storyline that they dropped is suddenly after in season two, Alex and Carla they save the ship with the aliens going away, and Jeremiah fights with Cyborg, and all of a sudden it's like Jeremiah just disappears. Yeah. Yeah. They will never find him. It, I'm uh, convinced. He's, he's, he's off with Morgan Edge and Max Lord. That oh, is that it? Is that it? <laughs> I would, I would I love like for that. I would love for Jeremiah to come back, but uh, I don't know when they're gonna. Yeah, it's. I want to go to the wagon and then to the back. Um, I feel like there's a particular trend going on where the male characters are just being either ignored or sloughed off, or they don't know what to do with them. I mean, the fe I, know, I realize this is Supergirl, so you're going to have strong female characters, but I feel like there's a lack of having at least one or two good male characters in the, in the show. I mean, that's, 
Do you feel like there's an imbalance yeah. here? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's no balance. I mean, you have Jean, and that's great. No, we don't anymore. Well, we did. We did. I think that it's fair to live that they want more women characters in the series. Talking and doing in this show, like I, I don't think they have any intention of saying we need to have as many men as women doing things in the show. I think it's more women. I think it's more just having one or two. Yeah, there's no men though. Yeah. I say, well, I mean, I do think it's. Well, I don't. I don't agree that there's no men, but but certainly John and Wynn and well, now we've lost Wynn though, and John. That's what I'm, I'm getting yeah. to. Uh, is they are starting to recede more out into the story over the season, but they yeah. were definitely more present earlier. So maybe they're reshifting. I don't know. Unfortunately, I think sometimes their hands are tied because I think. Um, uh, Jeremy Jordan wanted to lead the show and pursue more things. Pursue more things. So when had to go, uh, I think Chris Wood had something in his contract that he was only going to do two seasons, and so then he Monel leaves because of his contract or whatever it was. So I think sometimes they have to do what the actors want them to do, and uh, so sometimes it's a storytelling thing, and sometimes I think it's a contract thing. But I. I think you're not wrong in that it feels imbalanced. Yeah. It does, it does, to me it feels very imbalanced. And I'm all about female empowerment. Like I want strong female characters. I don't want a strong female driven and led show, but that doesn't mean we can't have, there's, just, there's a lot of underdevelopment of the yeah. male characters. Yeah. And it's, you could develop them and still let them be secondary. Right. And there's a heck of a lot of underdevelopment with yeah. the men on that show. So the man in the black shirt and then you. I was just going to uh, address a little bit about what you said, John Paul, about the Legion flight ring and everything. I don't, I don't know why the Legion flight ring was in the Fortress of Solitude, and then they're doing all this other stuff. Because I think in you know, Earth thirty-eight, where in this Earth thirty-eight, yes, there was no Superboy. So I mean, I, and I think in one of the early episodes, they talk about that the Legion was founded because of Supergirls. That's right. Example. Yeah. Which I mean, thank, thank goodness this show is set on Earth 38 because everything they have done with the Legion is just totally wrong to me. <laughs> the, the weird and, thing about the every time they add something more about the Legion, it just further drives me into this black hole. <laughs> I mean, Saturn Girl cannot read minds all of a sudden. It's like whatever. But they, they went back with, with the Legion being formed off of Supergirl's influence instead of Superboy. It's probably the lack of planning ahead on some of that. You know, they, they establish certain pieces and then they get to a point where they want to have a storyline and, oh, well, no one's going to remember we said that two seasons ago and they'll just keep going. Um, yeah, I, would, I wonder it. if they have some something planned because as far as I'm aware, the Legion ring in the fortress and the Legion rings that... Monel and Brainy and Saturn Girl had, I think were different. I think they looked a little bit different. That could have just been they changed the design just because they wanted something new. But maybe they have some sort of plan where the Legion rings are different for a reason. I don't know. I, I guess I'm giving them too much credit. I don't know. You could come up with, a, if, if the right writer, if Jeff Johns or somebody was in there, they could come up with a reason that it makes all, all makes sense. I just want them to, with you, I want them to get the characters right. And at least Brainy's like I said earlier, Brainy's personality is right. See, I, I told him earlier, I said, there is no way Kara is going to go with this Brainy. <laughs> there is no way. I don't know. They had some really cute interactions in that uh, Legion of Superheroes episode. Oh. I thought uh, that was really sweet where Kara tells him the story of Streaky the Super Cat. Well, not the Super Cat, just Streaky the Cat. Um, but I thought that their interactions there was, was really sweet, and I'd like to see some more of that. So I want to come. Sorry, we, I want to come back to Legion. The hat, no, I was going to say, the gray shirt I, I, I've, I've heard. I don't read Legion of Superheroes, but I've heard that their that Supergirl's version of them is wrong. But I never read them, so I, for all I know, Super Saturn Girl is telekinetic and knows nothing about reading minds. So, and that's what I like. What the CW did was bring in the Fifty Two Earths, so that they can manipulate. Uh, different comic characters to do what they need them to do for the story and not make them adhere to a specific comic interpretation. Well, didn't Saturn Girl have uh, like a mind battle with Psy at one point? I feel like there was a scene where she and Psy... Uh, but it wasn't telepathic. It was, it was, just, it was yeah. just using the force of her mind. Okay. So is that what she did with the, the force field? 
uh, with the ho- the the bank, wasn't it a bank? Yeah. Where everybody got sick and and she wanted to leave them there. Yeah, because it was like it was like the, the emergence of coming out, the emergence of pestilence, and mm-hmm. it was her that's sister. Right. Mm-hmm. See, that's another great opportunity I think they missed in that episode, and when it, because she had told the story or she was so affected, and she finally tells Cara why about pestilence and her sister, and then you have Cara and Alex, and you have Alex get sick. And as great as the scene was between Wynn and James, that scene should have been between Kara and Alex with Saturn Girl looking mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you in the gray shirt and then you in the Yeah, I just want to further something that Rebecca had said a few minutes ago in that it, you've been wondering like why certain storylines are picked up or dropped over time. And as much as I think we want to like, think that oh, yeah, it was just a creative decision that they made. A lot of times it's, I mean, sort of a creative de- decision based on what the actors want to do. Mm-hmm. Like um, like she said, Monel and um, and Wynn, like they weren't like sent off, you know, to the future or whatever, just because that's the creative direction the show wanted to go. They both got other jobs. <laughs> and Adrian Pastar is now basically a series regular on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so we probably couldn't do both at the same time. Mm-hmm. I actually think, I thought I read that they always knew Chris was only doing two seasons. I don't think that's it was that Chris left to go do, like, yeah. it was always Chris signed on for two seasons. So this, so Monel was never going past the end of this season, which... I'm sure if... Chemistry and the storyline and fan reaction have been wonderful. I'm sure he'd have been willing to sign on. That's right. More, but yeah. Yeah, I, but you're right. I think I he was always definitely planned. think he'd have been willing to stay if they asked. Yeah. I don't think they did. If I had to guess. So it, I mean, that's just <laughs> another example of this point: is that he was only supposed to be there for two seasons. We, you know, the fans not necessarily knowing that, where you think, well, you know, maybe he could have stayed on and you know, developed the uh, storyline with Supergirl, but if he didn't, and the reason he didn't is because his contract ended, mm-hmm. not because that was a creative decision on the show. Now, and that happened with Maggie Sawyer. Yep. So right. unfortunately, exactly. that it happens all yeah. the time. It happens all the time. They were yeah, going to get married. We're going to have a wedding. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Well, I noticed that you are cosplaying as uh, thirteen. I am. And that uh, Supergirl has snuck in some Doctor Who references. <laughs> yeah. uh, Gray leader or Greyhound leader from. Call signs from unit and the transmat, of course. Um, is there any th- or, uh, for the panel? Um, I know that I personally would have liked to have seen John eat more Oreos, but I know that um, human metabolisms won't, wouldn't allow for him to be consuming Oreos in that scene. But is there um, anything from the comics or another source that you would love to see a character do? Uh, personally, I would love to see Calista Flockhart just come back one more time and actually eat the scenery. <laughs> well, I would love to see Catco come back for sure. Um, I mean, the one thing I I appreciate about the CW doing on all of the Arrowverse and the the, the um, DC verse is bringing actors that were in prior versions. So it's not necessarily the characters, but the actors. So you know, I love that they brought Dean Kane and you know yeah. all that stuff. So oh, my the more of that they could do, I, I would love it. My wife and um, I jumped out of our chairs when we saw Carl Lumley's name in the cast. It's yeah. like, yeah, he's gonna play Martian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, he was fantastic. I mean, I Linda Carter. Hopefully, mm-hmm. her schedule will work out. Too. I think she's supposed to appear in season four. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they got a vice president. It's mm-hmm. changed. Bruce, yeah. uh, Bruce Boxleitner is taking over for yeah. Brent Spiner. How, yeah. And that's what I'll, I'll answer your question. Sort of the thing I wanted to have happen, we can't have well, now. Not I wanted Adam West to be the vice president. That just would have been so perfect. <laughs> and then had one scene with the two of them and Dean Kane, all three together. <laughs> that would have been so perfect. I don't know if anybody. Uh, uh, reads uh, the DC Comics where uh, there's a character named Director Bones who is featured. Uh, he's he's a DEO director in DC Comics. Uh, he's a weirdo looking character. He's a skeleton <laughs> that villain. smokes cigars. Yeah, he's a former supervillain turned good guy, I guess. Um, and he's his sweat is cyanide, so if he sweats on you, he can get cyanide on you and kill you. I would love him to show up on Supergirl, and I was a little disappointed that they went straight to Jean leaving to Alex becoming the director, because I thought that would have been such a cool way to put Director Bones into that spot and have him be kind of an antagonist there at the DEO. 
Uh, so that was a, a that was something that I I still hope that maybe one day he'll show up because he's such a weird. Look him up, Director Bones. He also might be Mr. Bones uh, if you look him up on uh, Google or Wikipedia. But he's he's such a strange, weird-looking character, and I love him so much. Great, great character. Oh, great he character. started if you if you do love the comics, he started in Infinity Inc. with Todd McFarlane. When Todd McFarlane first started, before he broke big with Spider-Man and all the rest, he drew him with a cape circling the page and doing all this stuff. If you can find the Infinity trade paperback. Yeah, and there's that's, also, that's a, if you're interested in the DEO, there's a big uh, graphic novel called Chase. It's uh, based on the character Cameron Chase, who did appear once on Supergirl, um, and he's featured pretty heavily in that as well. What about you guys? As far as the question? No. Um, I'm going to go back to a throwaway line in season one where um, there was somebody killing aliens or something, and they said, you don't think it's... and my first thought went, we're going to see Lobo. Oh, yeah, they did sort of drop hints of a bounty hunter. A bounty hunter, mm -hmm. an alien bounty hunter. They, they've said they've mentioned Zarnians or something on the screens behind Wynn and them. Yeah. In there. But I Lobo, mean, Lobo's got somewhere else to go. He's being a Krypton this He season. might be on another Superman show. Another season. Superman <laughs> show. And, then, and I think that was the time they were talking about the, a feature film. So I think that, that kind of killed that. But I thought that would have been... That would have been cool to watch and watch Lobo butt heads with the DEO. And hopefully played by Brad Garrett. <laughs> never say never. You could show yeah. up. Go ahead. Uh, do you think there's any interaction in the crossover between characters that you would have wanted to see more of or that you didn't get to see at all between any of the Supergirl characters and the other Arrowverse characters? Because I know we got a lot of, like, you know, not Kara and not Oliver, and we got a lot of Alex and Sarah, but anyone else? Well, I really like not Kara in the crossover. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. a lot of fun. Are you talking about Overgirl? Overgirl. 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 Yeah, Overgirl. Um, yeah, I liked her a lot. And I liked the crossover a lot. But a part of that, we were talking about this before we started, a lot of that was because I like the, le the legends just bring the man, <laughs> you know, and um, so if anything, I would like to see maybe more McRory hanging out in the DEO. You need more McRory everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, to, to answer your question, I would like to see, I mean, I liked Alex and Sarah becoming friends, and they're the same they've got a same type of, of personality so send them on an adventure together or something uh, or or have Sarah show up in National City just something they they just click together as a fighting team I guess maybe but I I, I like the idea of them being friends you know Alex you know Kara's got Lena and Kara's got had Wynn and James Alex didn't have any friends. So let's see someone for her to be friends with. I would love to, because I know Superman is going to be in the crossover uh, this season, if that's not a spoiler for anybody. Um, but uh, I think it would be really cool, because I would always love to see more Lena Luthor, but it would be kind of neat to see Lena Luthor have to interact with Superman. Yeah. I would yeah. be interested to see how that goes down. <laughs> I'm hoping for that. See, if we're talking, well, this is somewhat unrelated, but talking about potential crossover, uh, potential, I'd love to see um, whatever we're getting back with Colton Haynes interacting with Tyler as Superman, because obviously we know that their interaction should be pretty good. And I'd like to see that in some sort of crossing over format. Um, this season, I, I would have loved to have seen more of the nerds united. I'm always a big fan of when you get the really, the nerds of each side together and watch what happens. And Jeremy's, I, I love, Jeremy's so good to me that I would have just loved to have seen more of him and the, just the nerd interaction and like really figuring it out. I, you know, I loved the, the female empowerment side with um, Candace and Emily. But just get the nerds together. I would have loved to have seen more with Jeremy. That's, that's been a crossover I wanted for the past couple of years. Just yeah. give me the nerds just, for an entire episode. <laughs> it can be the mini one. It can be just a mini episode. I don't care. Yeah. That's yeah. a major win. one. But Felicity, yeah. Cisco, win. Brains over brawn for yeah. one. Yeah. For, and they have, and they're like they are the key to solving everything. And, and one thing I wanted to see 
I've wanted to see from the beginning when, when Callista was still there and, and just so embodied Cat Grant so well. And I was always talking to Lucy or them about her feud with Lois Lane. Yeah. And I wanted to see <laughs> Callista go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Terry Hatcher as Lois Lane. They would have just, talk about scenery chewing. There would have been some scenery chewing. That being said, and I'm intrigued by them bringing Lois into the next crossover, I have, on, and if you follow me on Twitter or Facebook or anything, I think I, you know, I there is an actress that I think would be perfect for the part, and that's Lana Perilla from Once Upon a Time. She would make an awesome Lois Lane. Interesting. I don't think I would have thought of that, but I don't think it's a bad idea. Uh, you have a uh, uh, on the subject of crossovers, looking ahead, they haven't said yet uh, on which Earth Batwoman will reside. But I'm hoping it will be 38 because that would make it very convenient to develop an ongoing sort of world's finest team between her and Kara. And that would make sense because they've referenced Gotham and yeah. that, that other hero that wears the mask. They've referenced Gotham and the fact that both Superman and Lois Lane are going to be there they would really have to contrive something big to get them also to come over to the TV version of Earth One. So well, and Supergirl's always gone to Earth One. Like, let's switch yeah. it up and let. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Would be nice. The fact that uh, uh, Clark and Lois will be there does kind of tip the scale a bit mm -hmm. in favor of Batman oh, yeah. being on Earth Thirty Eight. Yeah. And then you could have, and while. It, Normally, it'd be Supergirl and Batgirl. It'd be okay to have a New World's Finest to Supergirl and Batwoman, yeah. you know, occasionally crossing over and teaming up. Monel. <laughs> Just going to ask general feelings about the whole Monel relationship and, and uh, that story. How did, how did it work out for people? I always feel like I'm the odd person out and that I enjoyed the basis of that storyline what I don't like is when writers I hate when writers string people along so obviously not knowing that Chris was on a two year contract ahead of time that whole drag out in the season where it was like it seemed like it was going to happen it seemed like it was going to happen it seemed like it was going to happen and then you snatch it away I don't like that I hate that style of writing and I think it was just unnecessary. I think it would have been really good to just focus on them being friends and just made that really strong, and it would have been a great way to send him off. But that whole will they, won't they thing didn't work for me at all. I'm mostly like Mono, um, and I thought the <laughs> stuff that, uh, I, I, on Supergirl Radio, we refer to it as mon-positive or mon-negative. Um, we have a scale. Some episodes you might be mon-positive, some episodes you might be mon-negative. Um, but I, I liked what they did with him in season three where he came back. You know, he was the bearded, more mature Monel. Uh, he seemed to be a leader for the Legion of Superheroes. I really liked that a lot. But you're talking about that second half where they went into this love triangle that was completely unnecessary. You could have brought Monel and Emma back as friends. They could have been just really good teammates, but they made them a married couple. And then, uh, then there was this whole awkward part when I was watching it, thinking, "Oh my gosh, are they going to write Supergirl having an affair with a married man?" And I, yep. I was, yeah. I was just, I, mean, I, I felt like a prude, but I was like, "This doesn't feel right." That's and then it ended up uh, kind of pointless in the end. Yeah, but that's that's, I think that the way they wrote him in particular, in regards to that, was uh, as being conflicted. Oh, yeah. And being loyal to his wife. Absolutely. I, I think that did a lot. I, I loved Chris, and I loved him in the role. He was very annoying to me in the second season. But I liked, like you, I liked the mature leader, Monel, that came back in the third. And, and if there was that thread, even he even has a conversation with Jean about it that, you know, I can't help coming back and realizing how I feel, but I am going to stay true, faithful to to Imra. So I give them props for that, for not going there. I think where they failed for me is that every part of that focused on Monel's perspective. Exactly. We didn't get any of Carr's perspective, any of Carr's thoughts about what she felt about it. 
it was just weird. Like Cara felt really distant to me and I, I couldn't connect with her at the very end of the season where I should have been cheering for her and I just didn't feel like I knew her because I did not get any of her thoughts on any, any of that. And I just, I felt like that was a missed opportunity to delve into how Cara felt about all that. Agreed, yeah, agreed, yeah, very I much so. I didn't like what, so I was fine where I was like, okay, we've moved on, right? And then they get to the ship and I'm like, you're gonna change your mind now? I mean, that just didn't work for me with him. That that didn't feel like the character. It's like, okay, you did just say you're gonna go back to the future and you're gonna continue your destiny. And that would have been, a, I think, a much more realistic story because it's more about like exes and understanding that some relationships are for a period of your life and they're not appropriate anymore. But I, I agree that um, I didn't feel like I ever knew what Kara thought other than it was awkward and she was trying to suppress the fact that she had feelings for him and he wasn't indicating he had any, he was telling her he moved on. And that was sort of where we stopped with her. Yeah. Like I really didn't know what she thought. I liked the maturity level, though. The ma- maturity level. I liked the uh, Imra saying, like yes. her being like, "You need to," think, and in a very respectful, not not jaded, not spiteful kind of way, understanding why he was conflicted and saying, "Figure it out," because I. I it shows incredible maturity, especially in a relationship, to say, like, I get it. This is someone who probably was your soulmate, and if that's what you want, I'm not going to stand in the way of it. It was such not something you see a lot because you expect it to be, like, a cat fight or, like, a problem. And it was really nice to see it written that way. I don't know if I'm in the minority or the majority or not, but I would like a season that Kara's not in any kind of a relationship. Let Kara be Kara for a season. Let her be Supergirl for a season. That was most of season three up until a certain point. Right, exactly. And and honestly, that's what partially made it so good for me is because we just got more of just Kara as a character. Right. I got to say, I don't know. I don't know if it's because I'm coming at it from a male perspective. (laughs) (laughs) Or That's why we have you here. (laughs) Or just the longtime comic book fan, everything else. Yes, they they changed up a whole lot of the Legion, all that. Fine. I accepted that early, early on. Um, The actor, he he did a fine job. Uh, Monel was always one of my favorite characters in the comics. Him and Superboy were basically brothers. I mean, not physically, but they were basically like brothers. I actually thought, when you were saying that you didn't really get her side of it, I thought, I was sitting there going, but? Because I thought we got a very balanced, here's what she was feeling, here's what he was feeling. She was trying, you know, she was showing a lot of maturity, not showing how upset she was. She was realizing, okay, for him, it's been three years, he's moved on, no one's done anything wrong. I'm in this really sucky situation, but I just, I saw so much of that. Maybe someone was subtext, maybe someone was in looks, maybe it was whatever. I thought they handled that part of the relationship really well. The only part that shouldn't have been is for you, sir, and for my, my Legion fandom, <laughs> Saturn Girl ser- served no purpose other than to be there yeah. for that reason. Yes. Yes. Why, she was yeah. there to set up drama. Why not just use Monel's actual other half from the Legion, um, okay. you, you Shadow Lass, and, and that would have been fine. It would have changed nothing about the story, okay. and in fact, they wouldn't even have had to have said, well, we can't have another blonde on the show. We'll have a brunette. Channel S was a brunette, so there we go. It would, it would have been, everything would have been fine there, so that, that's right. I could have gone there, but outside of that, I thought they handled that relationship well and completely lost me completely once the cape came out and the whole cape yeah, trick. And the cape thing was just, uh, for all four shows, well, Black Lightning included all five shows, all however many seasons we've had, I think the stupidest thing they've done in any season <laughs> of any one of the shows is the cape trick. And I, yes. that includes a lot of really stupid stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so let's end on a positive note. Hopes for season four from you guys and, and anyone on the Well, uh, <laughs> I, you know, to piggyback on what you were saying a little earlier, it did seem like you had that moment at the end of the season where, oh, this male character's gone, this male character's gone, and so, you know, it's, it, there's a vacuum, and uh, they need to start introducing some more male characters. So hopefully they will and intend to in the, the next season. Yeah. Well, Brainiac will definitely get some development in yeah. season three. Panel? Hopes for season four? 
I'm uh, I'm intrigued by what they're going to do with Guardian now that he's outed himself. Um, I'm also very curious about the villains that will be coming on. I don't want to spoil that too much, but I think some of the uh, characters they're adding this season would be great. Um, and I just uh, I, I want more of Kara. Sometimes I feel like when the show lacks Kara and uh, doesn't give Melissa enough to do. Uh, it suffers for it, so I'm hoping they give her a lot to do with the double performance that she, I guess, will have to play as our Kara and then this uh, possible dark Supergirl, Red Sun Supergirl. That's probably one of the things I'm looking forward to is, is how they do it. I had heard of the story, and I'll, I and after that episode, I went and bought the graphic novels, and I'm in the process of reading them just to kind of get an idea of, of how they're in French story. Personally, my again, my fiction writer in me thinks that the first interaction between a member of our team and this this red sun supergirl, I think maybe Jean. That may be how you tie him back to it. Um, I'm intrigued to see Alex running the DEO. Um, how some of those things are going to, you know. And as always, I want more sisters. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, my hope is definitely some more Makad. I just, he's so underutilized, and I'd like to see that character. I mean, if, if he's going to be one of the the last OG males that we've got going, like, it's, I think it's time to step up and give him something, like, and like you're saying, now, what are we, where are we going with the Guardian storyline? They have to. They've got to mm-hmm. flesh that out, and uh, that's, I think, what I'm really most hopeful for, is to see where that goes. Well, I'm curious if, if they go with Jean being more of a detective, then, you know, that might be an opportunity for the Guardian to... Oh, yeah, they team up. That's, yeah. True. That's true. That's true. And that would actually be really neat. That would be awesome. So I'm definitely looking forward to Red Sun and Supergirl, too. Go ahead. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing them take Lena's character, who's doing something that maybe she shouldn't be, like maybe little bad things, and not taking it to where she's full on evil. Like, every time Lena makes a mistake... They take it really, really harshly, and I'm looking to see how they'll develop her character. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if they'll make her go Luther because she'll say, you know, there's no, there's, there's nothing I can do right. So I just may as well. I hope not. <laughs> oh no, it's I mean, such a, it's a, it's a, such a scapegoat. It's such a scapegoat, but I mean, she's, she's trying to be not that Luther, and no one will give her a chance. It would hurt my heart. And, and hopefully, on that note, you know, they could just do a thing where they play with you a little bit and everyone thinks, you know, but then she's not. So hopefully yeah, it would be something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and, and then have Lillian come back and say, why aren't you Luther? I mean, I yeah. love the, yeah. the scenes between between Katie and Brenda Strong are, are, awesome. are awesome, you know. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sincerely hoping we see Lillian come back at some point. Yeah. I definitely, yeah. More family conflict. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this isn't you know, plot related, but from what I've read, uh, Melissa has said that she has returned to the show feeling re-inspired and re-energized by your time on Broadway. Oh, good. I actually had the opportunity to see it, yeah, to see her, and she was phenomenal yeah. in the part. I mean, she really was. And I think she said she's quoted as saying, drawing a lot of inspiration from Carol King, Carol King's life, and stuff. Bringing it to Supergirl. Bringing it, bring it into it, and and, and that you know shows her that uh, you know a strong woman that you know overcame adversity and overcame odds and 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 prevailed. And uh, like I said, if you you did not, if she should ever happen to do it again, go see it because she is phenomenal on yep. stage. Well, with that, we're going to wrap it up, uh, I think. Can we, can we take oh, a few minutes sure. just to yeah. do a fun giveaway? Okay, I have a Supergirl Age of Atlantis book, which is a tie-in to the show. It's written by Joe Whittemore, who's here at DragonCon this weekend. I actually got her to autograph it. Um, so if you would like to win this, uh, I was going to ask some trivia questions. Uh, so the question is, um, when Supergirl and uh, Martian Manhunter go to Mars, Supergirl drives his car into, his space car, into an area where a bunch of white Martians are. Uh, does anybody know what the song is playing um, in the car when she comes in? Anybody? I could ask a, a much easier question. <laughs> I think I know, but I'm not. I'm going to let one of them. Okay. All right. Well, the uh, other question, since I guess that was too hard. 
Um, well, if, to give you the answer, it's uh, Hit Me Baby One More Time by oh. Britney Spears. Um, okay, so um, in episode Fort Roz, Supergirl. Supergirl has to reluctantly take two villains with her to uh, Fort Roz. Who are the two villains that uh, make up part of her dream team? Nobody I knows. Remember one of them. I know one of them. I the other one. All right, give me, give me just one then. Um, uh, the lady in the black shirt with the blonde hair? Oh, it's Livewire and Sight. Very good, very yeah. good. Here you go. All right, let me think of another question. Uh, I think it's something really, really easy. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, the prize is, uh, I guess I should explain that. It's uh, volume one of the Silver Age of Supergirl. It's uh, it's got a bunch of comics from the Silver Age. It's got Supergirl's first appearance. It's got Brainiac 5's first appearance. It's got Streaky the Supercats' first appearance. A lot of really great, silly, old stories in here. Um, a lot of stuff has uh, shown up on the show from uh, the Silver Age. Um, I guess, uh, does anyone know the uh, leader of the Kryptonian witch's name? Too hard? Uh, does anyone know Supergirl's biological mother's name? Alora, yes, sir, that is correct. I want to thank all of our panelists and thank you guys for a great conversation. We really appreciate it. Please the panel and the app. Our Kelly Protector reads all of the feedback.